That's what, that's what I want to talk about this morning. Realizing that we're not going to see things eye to eye, even between your members of your own family, even between husband and wife, even between parents and children, you're not always going to see eye to eye in everything. So what do we do about it? What do we do to make sure that we are not getting into this area where we're not united like we should be? Paul addressed that same problem with this divided, fighting church in Corinth. And obviously it was a big thing because the, one of the first things that Paul addresses in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1 is this issue of them being divided as a church. And Paul got onto them and said, you ought to be united. You ought to be going in the same direction. And so I want to give you what Paul gave the Corinthians this morning. And I, I'm sure there's probably more things that we could pull out of this passage. But I want to give you three things that Paul gave them that is the perfect plan for imperfect people. Perfect plan for imperfect people. Let's pray and then we'll look at this passage and we'll look at a few things from it this morning. Father, we love you. Give me thank you so much for how good you are to us. I pray that you'd help us to get something from the message this morning. I know that for the most part, this is just a reminder to us. This is not something that we've never heard. This is not something that we don't know, but I pray that you'd help us to, to uh, be reminded of why we're doing what we're doing, why we're here this morning. And God, I pray that you'd help it to help us this morning. So give me the words to say. I pray that you fill me with your power as we go through the message this morning. Well, thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. First thing I want you to see is this. And, and, and I guess the overall point of what I want you to understand this morning is that our focus ought to be on Jesus Christ. Our focus ought to be on Jesus Christ. Why should our focus be on Jesus Christ? Well, number one, our focus ought to be on Christ because he's the reason that we're here. He says this in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 10. Now, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. See, in, in that one sentence, he reminds them that people in the church share a special relationship with one another. We are here because of Jesus Christ. Had Jesus Christ never come and been born as a baby, had he never died on the cross, had he never risen from the dead, had he not offered us salvation and we accepted that, uh, accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, very likely we would never even be here. We wouldn't even know each other. Could you imagine how bad it would be if you didn't know Brother Bill? But how would I ever know Brother Bill if he didn't come to church here, right? How would I know Nitin? Well, uh... But how would we know each other? If, if, if Nitin had never come in and accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior, and we have that fellowship around Jesus Christ, most of us don't have the money to go join a country club, right? We're not going to join a country club, and that's how we all got to know each other. That's where this group came from. We wouldn't be here this morning if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. We wouldn't, most likely, none of us would know each other if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. Look, all of the, uh, I can't say all, but, but a huge majority of the friends that I have are friends that I have from church, right? I grew up in church, so all of my friends growing up were friends that I, that I knew in church. I don't know if I had anybody outside of church that was my friend. We grew up in a fairly large church, so we had plenty of people to, to pick from and plenty of friends to hang out with, and that's who my friends are today. I mean, I have acquaintances. I have people that I know outside of the church, but my friends are you, you're my friends, and that's all centered around Jesus Christ. We're the reason that he's, he, he's the reason that we're here. And so for that reason, we ought not to be fighting against each other. When my brothers and sisters and I were young, we used to get into fights sometimes. I would tell you that the fights were always their fault and that they always started them, but 
I don't, uh, they can't say anything about it right now, so we'll leave it at that. But uh, the truth is, we were all guilty. And we always used to try to argue quietly, you know, under your breath, because our parents didn't let us fight, but it was like, you, right? You can't say it loud enough, but you're trying to get the point across, and you, you know I'm being serious when I'm clenching my teeth and saying it under my breath, right? And now I hear these guys doing it, and I'm like, oh, okay, nice try. I know exactly what you're doing. My parents would always get on to us whenever we were fighting. And so a lot of times we'd take it outside and it ended up going out in the barn. And, you know, that's where the fight really happened. But uh, the, the, my parents didn't let us fight. They didn't let us argue. And, and I used to think, ah, oh, they didn't let us do it because it just it got under their skin. It was annoying to them and everything else. And, and that was probably a part of it because it's annoying to me when these guys fight against each other and everything else. But it's even more than that. It's just you, we shouldn't be fighting. There should be no divisions between us. Hey, in our family, we're a family. If everybody else were gone, this is what we would have left. Why are you going to fight against each other? And the same thing is true in the church. Look, the world is falling apart. And eventually it's going to be in pieces. When everything falls apart, this is what we have left. And we shouldn't be out there in the foyer arguing with each other, right? I'm trying to preach and Brother John and, and, uh, and brother, brother Kevin are out in the foyer having a you know, fist of cuffs because they didn't like the way that you know, somebody did this or that, right? I mean, it should not happen in a church, but there shouldn't even be any little bickering and infighting and all of that kind of stuff. We ought to get along, not mainly because we have the same goal. We have the same father. We call God our father. We call Jesus Christ our savior. That makes us brothers and sisters in Christ. We ought not to be fighting against each other. And Paul drew their attention to Jesus there in verse number 10. He basically is saying, for Jesus' sake, because you are one in him, for his sake, Stop fighting amongst yourselves. Don't let there be divisions amongst yourselves. You ought to hang together and strengthen each other, not be tearing each other down. I heard a story about a pastor named Clarence Jordan. He told a story about a time that he was visiting a very exciting integrated church somewhere in the south. And this old hillbilly was the pastor. And he was just amazed at how the church was so integrated. It was rich and poor, black and white. I mean, it was just all the rest of it. It was just a very, very integrated church. And Pastor Jordan asked that old hillbilly preacher, he said, how did you get the church that way? And the pastor said, what way? I don't know. What are you talking about? How did I get the church what way? And he said, well, you know, he explained his question. And the preacher said, well, when our church, when, when our preacher left our, our, our small church, I went to the deacons that next Sunday and I told him I'd be the pastor. And so they voted me in as the pastor. And he said, I opened up to the, to the book in the Bible, and I read, as, as many of you as have been baptized into Jesus and put on Jesus, there's no longer any differences between you. There is no slave and, and, and free. There is no uh, you know, males and females. There's no Jews or Greeks, because all of you is one in Jesus. And he said, well, then I closed the book, and I said, if you won with Jesus, then you won with all kind of folks. And if you ain't, you ain't. And... Jordan asked him, he said, well, what happened after that? And he said, well, the deacons took me into the back of the church after the service was over, and they said, they didn't want to hear no kind of preaching like that. He said, well, what happened then? He said, I fired them deacons. <laughs> he said, well, then what happened? He said, I preached that church down to four people. He said, you know what happened after that? He said, not long after that, people started coming. And that church grew and grew, and he said, and I found out that revival sometimes don't mean bringing people in, but getting people out that don't love Jesus. And I think that's exactly what it is. If we love Jesus Christ the way that we say that we love Jesus Christ, there would be no fighting. There would be no bickering. There would be no, no getting along. We would get along because we have the same Savior and we have the same goal. 
We're imperfect people. Nobody in their right mind is going to argue against that. But we need to remember that the reason we're here is because we love Jesus. Focus on Jesus because he's the real reason that we're here. But number two, we need to focus on Jesus instead of on other people. Paul made that very clear to them. And this is not, it's, it's pretty obvious here by, by this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that Paul was not just giving them generalities. He was not just saying, you know, let me, let me just mention this on, on the side. You guys need to get along together. He was addressing an issue that they had in that church. And then he was very specific about that issue in the church. He says this in verse 11. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, called them up, it snitches, right? But that ye be, uh, uh, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I have Cephas, and I have Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any of you should say that I had baptized in mine own name. And I baptized also the household of Stephanus besides, and know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize but to preach the gospel. By the way, that's a great passage to show that baptism is not necessary for salvation. Paul is going around and preaching the gospel and saying, I'm glad I didn't baptize anybody. I gave you the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, if he's glad he didn't baptize anybody, then he never won anybody to Jesus Christ, if that's the case, right? So Paul is saying, I didn't baptize anybody. I am giving you the gospel. I'm giving you Jesus Christ. Baptism has nothing to do with it. It doesn't matter who baptized you. It matters that you got the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's, the, that's what the focus ought to be. And so we ought to focus on Jesus Christ instead of on other people. Paul's point was that Christians are supposed to follow Christ, not other people. In John Maxwell's book, he's, he's very well known for writing books on leadership, but in one particular book called The Winning Attitude, he told the story about two cows that were grazing in a pasture. And as they, as they stood there grazing, a, a milk truck went by. And on the side of that milk truck, it said, pasteurized, homogenized, standardized, vitamin A added. And one cow kind of sighed, and he said to the other cow, he said, it makes you feel sort of inadequate, doesn't it? And, and honestly, that's, you know, that's the problem with being attached to people instead of being attached to Jesus Christ. You know, there's always somebody that's going to come along that is a, a lot greater Christian than we are. Somebody who's a lot better preacher than I am. Somebody who's a lot better pastor than I am. Somebody who's got a, a bigger church than, than we do. And we're going to say, oh, if only we could have that. Somebody who's going to come along that, that maybe is a, a, a church member who serves more than you do or who seems to be more valuable than you are. And we're always going to say, man, I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that. But when you follow somebody, eventually they're going to let you down because they're inadequate when you compare that to Jesus Christ. We ought not to be following a person. We ought to be following Christ. Amen. You may be smitten by somebody's personality or something else that they have or that they do, but they're, they're still human, and eventually they're going to fail you. If you're following a person, you're going to be disappointed. Right. You're going to be let down. Others may not be as charmed with another church leader as you are, and they see that person's flaws or their sins. And then you get the situation that Paul condemned in Corinth. He said, people rallying around leaders instead of rallying around Jesus Christ. That's what they were doing. I'm a Paul. Well, I'm a Cephas. Well, I'm a Apollos. Well, I'm of Christ. And everybody was rallying around the leader that they liked the best. Rallying around the leader that baptized them. And, well, that makes me better because I got baptized by this person. Well, that makes me better because I got baptized by this person. And 
Paul said, why? What is the point of that? That, that has nothing to do with what we're trying to accomplish. Right. I heard of a couple who had been married for about three years, and they were very happily married. They had things, got, they, things went along very well, but there was one point of contention in their marriage, and of all things, the point of contention was the pastor in the church. The husband tended to agree with everything the pastor said and, and, and wanted to follow everything that he did. And the wife tended to not agree with most of the things that he said and most of the things that he did. And so they would come home on Sunday afternoons, and there would be the big arguments. They're bickering over what the pastor said or did. And what ended up happening is the husband tended to overlook every one of the pastor's faults, and the wife tended to overlook every one of the pastor's strengths. And, and honestly, they, they both had a fault in that thing. Because if they kept their eyes focused on Jesus Christ, realized that nobody's perfect, then no matter what capacity that person serves in, their differences of opinion aren't going to become a real problem. Right. right? You can have differences of opinion. There's nothing wrong with that as long as we don't let that get in the way of what we're trying to accomplish. The temptations, honestly, for leaders in a church is to build some sort of personality cult around themselves. And boy, I've seen that happen so many times. And, and I'll be honest with you, I believe that's, that was one of the problems with independent fundamental Baptist churches in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. I think we're moving away from that a little bit, but that, that's still there. To build a personality cult around me. This church revolves around me. And if I go away, you don't, wanna, you don't want me to go away because this church goes away at that point. That's wrong. It's not about a personality. It's not about building a, a, a cult around a person. Honestly, that's how cults get started, right? This, this person has such a great personality, and they draw all these people in there, and whatever they say must be from God because, oh, his personality is so good. Or, oh, he's such a good speaker. Or, oh, he's so this. Or, oh, he can do that. And everything that he says must be true. We have to follow him blindly. It's not, it's not true. We all want to be liked. We all want to see things go well and get along. Because, so it, it becomes very tempting to shade things, to be dishonest in little ways. Like letting people think that you never struggle with sin. Letting people think that you're perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm the farthest thing from perfect. I wish I was a whole lot more like Jesus Christ. No leader is going to be perfect. It becomes tempting to set yourself up as the only example for people to follow. But we've, we already have an example for all of us to follow. And that's Jesus Christ. Amen. He's our leader. We should all vow to be loyal to him. Not loyal to some preacher, not loyal to some ministry, not loyal to some uh, personality. Now, Paul does say, follow me as I follow Christ. Amen. But I'm here as an example. I'm not here to be who you follow blindly. You follow Jesus Christ. And if I'm leading in a direction that is following Jesus Christ, then sure, get behind somebody who's also going in the right direction. But the thing is, I, I try to do my best to be a good example to you. I hope you realize that. I try my best to, to preach messages that are not so dry and boring that you can't wait to get out of the service on Sunday mornings. Right? But we, we plan the services so that, it's gonna, that, it's go smooth, that, that it goes smoothly. Our objective is to eliminate distractions so that we can all actually worship. But don't let any of that fool you into thinking that you follow me. You follow Jesus Christ. And if I'm leading the right way and I leave tomorrow, nobody should leave this church. The church should continue on the way it is right now. Oh, you might be disappointed in me. You might be disappointed in something that happens. But, the, but you shouldn't be following me anyway. You should be following Christ. Amen. And if something happens and I'm gone tomorrow, this church ought to go forward for the cause of Jesus Christ. Because you're not rallying around me. You're not rallying around a personality. You're rallying around Jesus Christ. And you're following him. 
And that's what Paul is saying. It doesn't matter if you say you're a Paul or Apollos or Cephas or whoever. It's not about that. It's about the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be egotistical here because this happens all the time in churches. Some, some of you may feel like, hey, I, there's another pastor that I'd much rather listen to. And that's fine. I, I, I know that not everybody maybe likes the way that I preach or likes the way that I lead or whatever. And that's fine. You don't have to because you shouldn't be following just me. You should be following Jesus Christ and follow me as I follow Jesus Christ. The focus should be on Jesus and not on any other person because people are going to fail us. People are imperfect. And by the way, your heroes ought to be dead heroes because they can't make any mistakes, right? If you set me up as your hero, now I want to be an example to you. I want you to want to follow me. But your hero should not be somebody who's alive because your heroes are going to fail you. Your heroes ought to be dead heroes, people who have proven themselves, people who have lived and died and, and been faithful to the cause of Jesus Christ because they can't, they can't go back and make mistakes, right? Jesus is perfect, and it's he that we imperfect people should keep our eyes on. There's one other thing that Paul tells us here in this passage. To stay united, we should focus on Jesus Christ because he's the reason we're here. We should focus on Jesus instead of on other people. And lastly, what Paul says in verse number 17 is that we should focus on Jesus and what he wants us to do. Verse number 17, we read part of that already, but he says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Some churches have a time in their service. We obviously don't do that here, but some churches have it where they have, um, like they, I guess they call it like a children's sermon, where the, they come down to the front and either the pastor or maybe an assistant pastor or somebody uh, does a little object lesson for the kids. And so the pastor of this particular church called all the kids down there to show them this object lesson that he wanted them to see. And he told the kids, he said, now I want you to say, I'm going to say a word, and I want you to say the first thing that comes to your mind when I say this word. And he said, all right, here's the word, frog. As soon as he said frog, one of the little kids said, Jesus. The pastor said, Jesus? Frog, Jesus, what does that have to do with what he, so he asked the kid, he's like, why did you say Jesus? And the kid said, well, I knew you didn't call us down here to talk about frogs. <laughs> We're not here to talk about frogs or politics or sports or any other thing that comes up in just a casual conversation. We're here, or at least we should be here, because Jesus Christ died for us, and our gratitude for his mercy causes us to want to worship him. Paul told the Corinthian church, in effect, I really don't care who baptized who. I was just doing what God told me to do, preaching the gospel. I don't care who gets the credit. I was just following my orders. And by the way, when you follow orders that's given to us by the word of God, why should you get credit for it? You're just doing what you're told to do, right? He says that, that if we give our bodies as a living sacrifice, it's a reasonable service. We're just doing what's, what's expected out of us, right? So who cares who gets the credit for it? Who cares that people know our name? Who cares that people know about this church on the other side of the country? Who cares? They don't have anything to do with us. This is our area that God has called us to reach. And if the only thing we ever do is reach this area for Jesus Christ, then we are successful in what he's called us to do. It doesn't matter if, you know, I become a famous preacher and I preach around the country. That doesn't have anything to do with what God's called us to do here. 
doesn't matter if people, you know, if Gil, uh, Mount Victory Baptist Church becomes the, the largest church on the East Coast and everybody up and down the East Coast knows our name. That doesn't matter. If that happens, so be it. But that doesn't matter. That's not what God's called us to do. God's called us to be a witness for him. I don't care who baptized who. I don't care how big you are. I don't care what happens in this place. I don't care what's going on over there. We care about what God has called us to do right here, and that is to share the message of the gospel with this area because there are thousands, no, hundreds of thousands of people in this area who are dying without the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we have a responsibility to focus on Jesus Christ so that our focus can be on what he's called us to do, and that is to preach the message of the gospel. What God wants from us can really be summed up in two words, and that is this, faithfulness and fruitfulness. Faithfulness and fruitfulness. God wants us to be faithful to him. He wants us to worship him, to honor him with, with our whole life, and to work at becoming holy, which honestly is simply just becoming more like Jesus Christ. If we would be holy, then all the rest of everything else would fall into place. If we would just be as right with God as we knew how to be, everything else would fall into place. We fall short of that, but that ought to be our goal. God wants us to be faithful, but God also wants us to be fruitful. There's a story about a small church that was, it was affiliated with this exclusive splinter denomination. They had split off of a big denomination, and they were the only church that was that little splinter, and they were so proud of themselves for having split away from this denomination. And on the front of their church building, they had carved out these letters, and they painted them and everything else, and it was attached to the front of their building, and it said, Jesus only. Well, they were down, they were in the, in the Midwest area, and of course, you've heard about all the, the tornadoes and everything that are going through there now, and, and all the people that have died, and I, there's over 100 people that have died in the last couple of days in these tornadoes. But a strong wind came through the area where that church was, and it just kind of wreaked havoc, and blew all kinds of things over and everything else. And as they were examining that church, they noticed that some of the letters had gotten blown off of the front of that church, that sign that said Jesus only. And what was left was us only. And boy, that's what happens so many times in churches. It's not about Jesus Christ. Oh, we, we would all say that it is, but it's about us. What can we accomplish? What can people know about us? What can we say is our claim to fame? It's not about us. It's about Jesus Christ. You can be faithful and still miss the boat as far as being fruitful. And I'm telling you, there are churches all across this country, good churches all across this country, that are filled with people who would not dare miss a service on Sunday. They're faithful, but they're doing nothing for the cause of Jesus Christ. You ought to be faithful. You ought to be in church. But you also ought to be fruitful. And if all you're doing is sitting in church and being faithful to church, then you're missing half of what you ought to be doing, and that is being fruitful. And there's a lot of ways that you can do that. There's a lot of ministries you can get involved in, but it's not about the ministries either. It's about telling other people about Jesus Christ. Remember this. We're not trying to get people to church. We're trying to get people to Christ. And our whole focus last year was on each one reach one. Why is that? It's because we're not saying, oh, finally. That person came to church. Man, I've been inviting him for years, and finally he came to church. My hands are clean. No, they're not. No, they're not. Getting them to church is important. It's helpful. But our responsibility is not to get them to church. Our responsibility is to get them to Christ. And Paul didn't say, oh, go out and preach the church. Did he? He said, go out and preach the gospel. 
I don't care who baptized who. Preach the gospel. Give people the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what our focus ought to be. That's what our job is. If we're perfect, if we were perfect, we'd never lose track of what our goal is. But we're not perfect. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we need to be reminded of what our goal really is, what our goal really ought to be. God didn't redeem us so we can go on being sinful. God didn't redeem us so we can go on being selfish. Just like when you give your kids a gift for Christmas. Christmas is right around the corner. When you give them that gift, and, and it could be something nice. It could be a, a, a nice pair of shoes or something like that. And you give your kids that nice pair of shoes, and it's theirs. It, it belongs to them. But that doesn't mean that they can just go trash them. I mean, they can just go do whatever they want to with it, right? You say, hey, I, I paid good money for those things. You take care of them. Yes, they're yours. Yes, I gave it to you as a gift, but, but take care of it. I spent a lot of money on those things, right? Whatever it happens to be. And the same thing is true with Jesus Christ. God's given us a wonderful gift in Jesus Christ. And he expects us to take care of that gift too. We're to keep our focus on Jesus Christ and what he's told us to do. Patrick Morley wrote a book called The Seasons of a Man's Life. He said this, the turning point in our lives is when we stop seeking the God we want and start seeking the God who is. I'll tell you what, the majority of churches are doing today is seeking the God they want. Well, we'll we, we're going to make this mold of what we perceive God to be and what we perceive God really accepts and what God really allows, and, and, and that's the God we're going to pursue. No, we ought to pursuing, be pursuing the God who is, the God of the Bible, not the God that we have created, not the God that we have made in our own minds. We're all imperfect people, and so our tendency is to be selfish. Our tendency is to be self-centered. We've got to fight against those tendencies, but we see things from our perspective so often. We see things from a, from a distorted viewpoint, if you will. We'll always be, in this life at least, spiritually prejudiced, unable to, to see things completely the way that God sees them. And so that means, among other things, that we, we're going we're gonna to have disagreements from time to time. That's a fact. The world solves their problems in one way predominantly and that's usually by the might makes right principle i'm stronger than you are so i can take what i want that's not the way that we do it in god's house that's not the way that the bible tells us we ought to do it we, we, we don't fight it out we have to find a way to get along we have to find a way to be united and the way that we find that is to focus on what really matters and that's on jesus christ because i'm telling you this if you're focused on Jesus Christ, you're not going to have time to be bickering with other people. If you're focused on, if you're focused on sharing the message of the gospel, you're not going to have time to be arguing about this or about that. I'll tell you why most of the arguing takes place in churches is because nothing else is happening. Nothing else is being accomplished for the cause of Jesus Christ. And then the more you bicker and fight and argue, the, the more nothing is going to be accomplished for Jesus Christ. We should focus on Jesus because he's the reason that we're here. Were it not for him, there would be no us. There would be no Mount Victory Baptist Church. There would be no friendship. There would be no fellowship. There would be none of this without Jesus Christ. Focus on him. He's the reason we're here. But we ought to be focused on him instead of on other people. Yes, God, God has put me in the position of the leader of this church. Somebody has to be the leader. But I'm just here to lead. I'm not here to be the focus of why you're doing what you're doing what you do. You ought not to be involved in the ministries because you're trying to make me happy. 
You ought not want to jump in and be a part of this place because you want me to be pleased with you. I am. I appreciate everything that everybody does, but that not, ought not to be the reason why you do what you do. The reason you do what you do ought to be to please Christ. Amen. It ought to be to, to, to do things for, the, for his cause, for him. And then we ought to focus on Jesus Christ and what he wants us to do. I pray that, that you'll work on that in your life, that I'll work on that in my life, to make sure that we stay focused on Jesus Christ. We all know the reason for the season, right? Jesus Christ is the reason for the season. And I, I'm not saying that in a cliche way. We, we know that that's the fact. And if I just got up here and preached a message to you about that, then oh, I've heard that before. And you've heard this before too. But let this be a reminder to us that our focus ought to be on him in everything that we do, for every reason that we do the things that we do. And if we're focused on him, then we're not going to be focused on fighting. We're going to be focused on being united around the cause of Jesus Christ. And we will be focused on sharing the message of the gospel. And that's what we should be doing as a church. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much, again, for how good you are to us. Boy, I think about how Jesus Christ has changed my life and how he's changed the life of so many others in this room. He's changed our, our future. He's changed our past. And he's changed our present because of the fact that we know Jesus Christ. And we have what we have here because of him. Boy, if we, could, if we could just focus on that fact, I believe it would change our perspective on everything. And I pray that our focus would be on sharing the message of the gospel at Christmas, at New Year's, at Easter, at Thanksgiving, and at every time in between, that our goal and our focus would be on sharing the message of the gospel. And God, I pray that you'd help us to stay strong and united as a church so that we may go out as a strong, united front for the cause of Jesus Christ and win souls for you. Bring many people into your kingdom because of this church, because our singular focus and our singular goal of being focused on Jesus. If it's not, then God, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts this morning that we'd change we get those things right so that our focus can be on you. Thank you for all that you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would stand at your seats with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I know that this message is more of a reminder this morning than anything else. This is not something that you're saying, wow, I'd never realized that our focus ought to be on Jesus. You know that. You know that. But maybe you've allowed it to get on something else. Maybe you've allowed it to move into something else. I don't know. But I believe this was the message God wanted me to preach this morning. And if he's spoken to your heart, won't you come as the piano plays? The invitation is open. seat that your focus would stay on Jesus Christ we know it we know that that's where our focus ought to be but so so many times we let it get moved into something else pray that God would keep your focus on him pray that God would keep your focus on doing what's right doing on what he's called us to do 
Focus on him.